Confirmants, this sermon and this biblical reading from the Old Testament, the Hebrew Bible, Prophet Micah, is for you, but I hope it speaks to persons of all ages, because this is not graduation from the church for our confirmants, but simply a step into young adulthood and their lifelong journey of faith. The good thing is this is a question asked in the Bible that finally is directly answered. And the prophet Micah, wondering what God asks of us, says, should I come before God with calves as burnt offerings? Or will the Lord be pleased with, say, thousands of rams or 10,000 rivers of oil? But God has told you what is good. And what does the Lord require of you but to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with our God? Will you pray with me? May the words of my mouth and the meditations of each of our hearts be offered humbly and faithfully. Amen. Well, every sermon's foundation, Confirmation Sunday or not, all year long, is grounded in the scripture passage. So we're going to talk about the prophet Micah, but also this sermon is grounded in the last hymn that we will sing, entitled, Now in the Days of Youth. It's a great hymn. It's a prayer. And what's surprising about it is the aim or the focus, and it's, it's about you, about eighth graders, 14-year-olds. There are plenty of hymns about kids and children, plenty of them. In fact, we love to sing, Jesus loves the little children, plenty of hymns for children. There's lots of hymns about, well, the end of life and eternal life and the wisdom of elders, those who have learned through life's challenges to love kindness more than intellect. For those who through life have learned that it is better to love someone than to love something. So there's lots of hymns for children, lots of hymns for elders or the end of life, but there aren't many hymns about, well, about you. And maybe that makes sense. I didn't ever tell you this, but I do now as you finish this part of your faith journey called Confirmation. When I was an eighth grader, yes, at McClure Junior High School, I was in eighth grade literature class, and one of my friends, who was a member of this church, took my book, it was a long form poem, it was ghastly reading, threw it out in the second floor of the window on the ledge, which at that time was 30 feet above the ground. I reached out to get it, they took my legs and pushed me out on the ledge. Locked the window, shut the curtains. When the teacher returned to the room, she heard on the window, Hold back the curtains and <laughs> I paid what was not my first visit to the principal's office at that moment. But maybe that's why there are no hymns about you because, or about me at that time. I was a knucklehead. Nobody writes about them. But this hymn is for you, the one that we'll conclude this service with because it's a prayer. Here's what's going to pray. You're going to sing it for one another. We're going to sing it for you. That you will use your lives with purpose. And that you will use your lives with a vision of a better world. That's what we're going to pray for you as we sing you forth. 
But that's exactly what the prophet Micah is referring to in this morning's scriptural passage. I mean, finally, there's a question that's answered directly. What does God want of us? What does God desire? That we do justice? You've had a glimpse of that when you served hot dogs and soup off the night ministry van in Humboldt Park? To love kindness? Well, that makes sense. And then to walk humbly with God. But I'm telling you this, I think it's true that if you seek justice to do God's work in the world and you show kindness, humility will flow naturally. But it sounds really easy, doesn't it? It's very simple. Justice, kindness, humility. But here's what I'm going to guess you've already learned but will continue to learn. That oftentimes what we discover is that which sounds so simple in life can be really difficult. The hymn that we're going to sing, the prayer that we're going to sing for you, will ask you to choose the way of life. And choosing the way of life of faith might sound as simple as as literally closing your hands around the love that you are given every day. But it can be as difficult to choose life as to open your hands to share that love with others. But here's my hunch. If you are to love kindness and to do justice, that you will also need something in your lives to continue to stay strong with justice and kindness. You will need courage. Courage. And so I hope and pray for you, but not just for you, but for me, for all of us, that we will have the courage to be passionate about what we believe, about our convictions. I've been told by a friend that I should be more vulnerable and open when I talk from the pulpit. So I'm going to tell you something that I've never really shared before, that when I was considering going into the ministry, even in the first few months that I was studying in graduate school, but as I, before I got to there, I became uncomfortable telling people what I was thinking about doing. And I think I became uncomfortable telling people because it made them a little uncomfortable. And I'm just going to have to tell you this. Plenty of pastors will tell you that if you want to add a dose of awkwardness to a conversation, just tell them, I'm a minister, okay? (laughs) It makes people say things like, "Um, you know, I didn't mean what I said a couple sentences ago. (laughs) I hear that all the time. But I think I was initially uneasy telling people that I was studying to become a Christian minister. And I was anxious about what they would think about me. Maybe they'd think I'm holier than thou. I didn't want to be thought like that. I still don't want to be thought like that. Or maybe they thought I was one of those religious fanatics who you see on the news who's burning the sacred texts of of another faith tradition. Or someone saying that the earthquake in a non-Christian country is, is the judgment of God. I didn't want to be thought of like that, because you know I don't believe that. So over time, I became really good at avoiding telling people how deeply I believed in God. That maybe some days, I actually began to fool myself. And through my inability to be honest, to be, maybe the word is courageous, I became in danger of losing what was central to who I was, who I had been, but also 
who I was becoming. I think, I think that through my attempt to be acceptable to others, I was beginning to come, become unacceptable to myself. I protected myself from appearing too passionate about my Christian faith and sometimes perhaps of anything in particular. I'm going to tell you, friends, that is not a healthy way to live. Suppressing what is most important to you, what you are going to be most passionate about, suppressing it simply to present a good appearance. I mean, think about it this way. If you and your parents stop saying, I love you to each other, because you know you don't want to sound silly in public, but then you might stop saying a word of grace at a meal before you, you pass the pepperoni pizza. And if you do that, you might finally stop saying kind things to each other altogether. And that is what can happen to your Christian faith. I mean, if you wish to do justice, and you all do, if you wish to seek kindness, you will also need to be courageous enough to be passionate about God. That is why we prayed each and every time every one of you was baptized that you would never, never be ashamed to confess your faith in Christ wherever you are, whatever your circumstances, wherever you go. And may that faith grant you courage to live your lives as they should be loved with a passion, a passion for God's justice, but a justice which is grounded in love, never in hate. That's what makes the journey in a community of faith so important. A Catholic nun who wrote the book Dead Men Walking said something that resonated with me. She said, I'm always looking from, from God for a searchlight, something bold, something that gives me great guidance. But instead, she said, God gives me a pen light. I think she's right. I mean, a searchlight would make the path to justice and kindness so much easier, the path forward as to who you're emerging and going to be so much clearer. But most of us don't get a searchlight. We get a tiny little pen light. And so, we have just enough, just enough illumination to where we will put our foot next. And not much beyond that. So you know what that means? It means you will have to trust. Remember last Saturday night a week ago when we were working on your statements of faith? Trust was a really significant word. And I said, too often we end up thinking the Christian faith is, is just about belief. And it has something to do with belief. But belief, in its original, even in the Bible, in the Greek, really means to trust. And so I urged you last week, as you wrote your own statements of faith, not to begin with the words, I believe that God is, but instead to say, I trust that God is. Because trust means that you are willing to lay back and rest in something bigger than yourself. But it also means 
that you are not alone. And so, some of you wrote these things. I trust that God loves me. I trust that when I sing, I trust that when I laugh, I trust that when I love or when I help, someone said when I learn or when I share my food, I trust that God loves me. You said, I trust that when I'm loud, when I'm silent, when I'm happy, when I'm crying, that I'm loved by God. You're right. You trust. I trust that because we love God and seek to walk humbly with God, that we and we are way better together than we are apart. So together, together, trusting in God and trusting in each other, we believe, well, no, we trust that when we all shine our pen lights together, it has the strength of a searchlight. So friends, we welcome your light this day. We trust that it will shine brightly wherever you are, whatever your circumstance, wherever you go. But I pray that for you as well. Amen.